that your sister? No, nah, Tanya, the bus driver. <laughs> She's my bus driver. Hello, I'm your host, Samuel Hanson, and welcome to Combinations and Permutations episode 21. On this week's episode, we discuss Gauss grid, Gauss integers, Gaussian integrals, Gaussian measures, Gaussian methods, Gaussian noise, well... Okay, you get the hint. We talk about Carl Friedrich Gauss. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from UNLV CDC Building 7's mailroom. And today, uh, just like last week's episode, I actually managed to get somebody other than just Chris here which obviously does mean our first guest is christopher bates hello yeah i'm i'm sorry and our second guest we have a completely new guest that happens to work in the tutor clinic with chris and that is cody palmer hello and uh, i have nothing to say about either of these uh, people one of whom is a very fine and upstanding young individual and one of them is chris <laughs> I, other than that, I got nothing really to say. So let's let's hop right into, right. I mean, seriously, right into it. I'm, I swear, I am not. I'm not stalling or doing anything right now. We're gonna go right into just immediately. We're gonna step into the. What are what are we doing? I, I thought we were stalling. Oh no 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 no! I, I'm not stalling. That, that's exactly what I happen to not be. Did you happen to see that game last night? The no, okay, yeah. Uh, we have the we have our topic for this week. And the topic is something that we probably should have talked about long time ago, and that is the Principis or uh, Princeps Mathematicorum, otherwise known as the Prince of Mathematics, Carl Friedrich Gauss. What? That was that was Latin, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh-oh. I'm on the Wikipedia page oh, here. Okay. Now, I don't know that shit no, off the top a, of my head. Just on, on a note, did you, uh, you? I don't recall. Did you say princeps? Uh, something like that. Yeah, uh, in Latin, all the C's are hard, so it's princeps. Oh, princeps. Okay, princeps math- mathematicorum. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. I I typically butcher all of my dead languages on the show, and now thanks to Cody, we're no longer going to do it. So, so we. We really should have talked about Gauss a long time ago, especially more so after I've spent some time today looking at this, because unlike my guests, I am prepared. For what? For our for our show. Unlike all of my guests, I am the one who's always prepared. And, I mean, there's some reasons for that. I'm just not going to go into them. I'm just going to continue letting our listeners think I'm better than you guys. All right. Um, and we really should have talked about uh, Gauss a long time ago on this, because... All, pretty much all of modern mathematics has been influenced in some way by Gauss. Well, I mean, hell, half of physics has been influenced by Gauss. Yeah, even, I mean, he has a unit of measure. In a, yeah, like the Gauss, magnetism. it's max, one Maxwell over something. Oh, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I actually do, uh, or I did. I, I saw it earlier today. So let's, let's actually just uh, 
go back and try to figure out where exactly I saw that. I thought it was a unit of charge, but I, I might be wrong about that. Electric charge? It, it's something like that. I don't I don't know if it's related to... I, I thought columns. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Coulombs was charge. You're right. right. You're right. It's uh, Gauss is one uh, Maxwell per centimeter squared. What's 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 a Maxwell? Is that like a coffee bean or, I mean like, one or, Maxwell, abbreviated as MX. Once again on the Wikipedia, is a compound derived is the compound derived CGS of mag, unit of magnetic flux, previously oh, like, called a line. Oh, so it's like the Tesla. I mean, Tesla is the uh, SI unit for um, the magnetic field. So oh, okay. I guess Gauss is the the CGS, the you know centimeters, grams, seconds uh, system um, unit for the magnetic field. Uh, I, I've I had I totally forgot. How about the that. hell do you know that? Oh, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. You know, I wish Chris was funny. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> no, you didn't. You well, stayed I, I at stayed home there for a little night. while. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Vegas, and that's the best you can come up with. And is Holiday Inn Express? They have hourly rates. But I only need a few minutes. So. <laughs> I'm very sorry, everyone. So let's. <laughs> Let's talk about Gauss. I mean, Gauss is uh, well known in math. I mean, he's. I mean, a lot of people would generally consider him to be the greatest mathematician ever, and there's there's some pretty good reasons for that. I mean, he was a child prodigy, and he he really was. I mean, there's the of course the apocryphal story of of when he was in elementary school, like seven or eight years old, and. And he's and he's sitting there in elementary school, and apparently the teacher got bored or something. didn't didn't want to have to deal with the students, and so he, so he asked the students, please sum the numbers between one and one hundred together. Of course, the apocryphal story is that Gauss managed to do it in about thirty seconds, which is quite rightly I actually happen to know the answer just off the top of my head, but that's because I've heard this story so many right. times. And of course, uh, the, of course, the answer is five thousand fifty. And the the story is that Gauss figured out that, well, 1 through 100, well, 100 is 100, 1 and 99 is 100, 2 and 98 is 100, and that, that's true all the way up till 51 and 49, and there's, that's 50 hundreds, so that's 5,000, and then you just have that extra 50 just laying about. And so, I mean, that's the story, but I mean, the story is, of course, that he was, and that he was like seven or eight years old. And then the story has evolved a bit, there's... There's probably not a huge amount of truth, at least in the speed, but there is no doubt that as a child, Carl uh, Friedrich Gauss was amazing. And as a person not that much older than a child, he uh, continued to be quite amazing. I mean, you guys both know modular arithmetic, right? Right. And Cody, give me a definition of modular arithmetic. Uh, modular, uh, something, the standard definition is A is congruent to B mod N, uh, if and only if... Uh, a minus B uh, equals a multiple of N. Okay. That's the, that's the standard definition. Okay, yeah, yeah, and so if you think about it, uh, like 5 mod 3 is 2. Right. So it's the remainder yeah, of the, remainder, remainder that's of the, the division. That's the, that's the informal. Yeah, well, Gauss, Gauss happened to be the inventor of modular arithmetic. Yeah, he invented it in, uh, what was it, 1796, I want to say. Maybe not 1796. It was, uh, yeah, 1796, apparently, uh, he he invented modular arithmetic. Now, he happened to be born in 1777, 
which would mean that when he invented modular arithmetic, when he invented this, literally the thing that made it possible for us to have computers today, he was 19. Wow. They didn't have TV back then, though, so. Yeah. <laughs> Did they have girls back then? I don't, apparently not. I mean, for, I mean, because, let's see. So he did that, and then uh, in in also in 1796, he conjectured the prime number theorem. Right. And then a few years after that, not not too many years after that, it was three years after that when he was 22, he completed uh, his dissertation, which happened to contain in it a nearly complete, other than a small gap in topology, he just, he required something else in it. Proof for the fundamental theorem of algebra. Wow. <laughs> Anybody else in here feel like they've passed their prime? Yeah, I'm, well, let's see, he was 21, 22? 22 when 22. he did that. I'm 23. Yeah, so am I, I'm, yeah. I am just now getting ready to graduate under undergraduate, so, I mean, my, my life has been wasted. <laughs> I mean, uh, what have I been doing all this time? <laughs> and that's, that's what I was thinking. I, oh, I, he also became the first person to prove the quadratic reciprocity, uh, reciprocity law when he was 19. I don't know. I mean, is there anyone that is comes even close to that level of achievement in, um, in modern times? Uh, well, modern times, not in the modern no. Times. There's the prodigy thing has kind of stopped simply because, I mean, really, it's it's not possible for anyone to do what Gauss has done now because these were still very foundational ideas. Like the fundamental theorem of algebra, and that's that's the first thing we learn in in say an abstract algebra course, and it's it's necessary, but we can't do foundational stuff anymore because most of the foundational work has already been done. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, there are people. I'm like, say, uh, Erdos is. I mean, he's definitely contributed a huge amount, possibly even more than Gauss did, but not nearly of it as foundational or as important. May have contributed more total theorems, but less total. Uh, I don't know. Uh, less total impact. Right. I guess we can say. Anyone else know something? Say Gauss did. Well, didn't I, he? He designed that rifle. Uh, it shoots like things almost at the speed of light or something. He he did design the Gauss gun, which was the first uh, first planets. He did not manage to build it. I was just making that up. Actually, I had no idea that he designed. The Gauss gun, a rifle. I, I really? Was, yeah, it like was, the movie Eraser? It was, it was the first plan of a coil gun or a rail gun, a uh, magnetically propelled slug. Yeah, he, he designed that. He also happened to invent one of the uh, early telegraphs. We, can, we, we, need to, we need to start finding out people's Gauss numbers. Because, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, is there a way to do that? Like, oh, figure out uh, someone's anyone else? Numbers? Well, you guys have both studied some physics, right? Uh, of, of very little. Okay, very what's little. a magna, uh, magnetometer? Does it measure the strength of magnetic fields? Let's see. It's an instrument to measure the strength and direction of magnetic fields. Yes. Uh, he invented that. Uh, let's see. How about a heliotrope? Either of you guys ever hear of the heliotrope? Oh, oh it spins when sunlight hits it. No. Oh. Heliotrope, it's, it's an instrument that uh, reflected light and used uh, the reflections to take measurements. 
it's one of the very early and very important measurement tools for cartographers. Or, I mean, not early, obviously, because there's a lot earlier than that, but one of the early ones once we got very serious about having really good maps. He invented that. Uh, the photometer. That's his. As well as the double cows lens. And this man did not just create math. I mean, he was making actual things. What's the actual thing either any of us have last made? I made some bookshelves a couple of years ago. I, I put together a desk last I made, week. I made a mess in the kitchen this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put together that shed. That's true. I did, Well, we couldn't find screws for the roof. Yeah, so. yeah but yeah, I mean, you put together part of that shed, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, it was like Legos, though. I mean, it was just like six big plastic pieces. Yeah, well, the heliotrope <laughs> had already been invented. Okay, so uh, other things that you guys know about Gauss. There was the Gaussian elimination. Gaussian elimination. That's a surprising one. He did He did find Gaussian elimination. He did do that. But he wasn't the first. As a matter of fact, Gaussian elimination goes all the way back to 150 BCE. <laughs> which I, I find that to be absolutely mind-boggling that it, that it actually literally does go back that far. And it was uh, a Chinese uh, thing. Originally, I believe, was Gaussian elimination. So how did he get his name on it? Well, he, he discovered it independently without any influence from this text, which was a lost text. Well, we still don't have the text itself, but there's references to it, at least from what I was able to, what I was able to find. And, and so I mean, he discovered it independently with matrices. Actually, it was probably Jordan who discovered it first, but then... Uh... Jordan's like, you know, Gauss, can you take a look at this thing? And Gauss is like, you know, this is a pretty good idea. Pull out a hammer. <laughs> okay, okay. Honestly, that's the opposite of the way that Gauss worked. Um, does anyone here know who invented the first uh, non-Euclidean geometry? Uh, I'll, I'll take a shot, shot in the dark. Was it Riemann? No, no. no. It was uh, the Riemann surface. I think that was one of the first... Uh, first more formalizations of it but i think it was uh i believe it was someone known as boylan uh uh no uh bolyai bolyai oh, uh, okay was actually the son of a friend of gauss now when when this guy uh said after after he uh, showed it to gauss or after gauss saw it he wrote a a letter back to back to his friend's son and he said, uh, oh, and he had also sworn brotherhood and banner of truth to, to this friend. And so he wrote back to his son, and this is a direct quote, to praise it would amount to praising myself. For the entire content of this work coincides almost exactly with my own meditations, which have occupied my mind for the past 30 to 35 years. So after, after he saw this, he claimed that he, he had come up with all these ideas. He never claimed that uh, Boyai was stealing it. That was never the implication, but just that he had it. And, of course, Boyai thought that Gauss was trying to steal his steal his work. Because I mean, this is the first non-Euclidean geometry. This is a big deal. And But they've gone back and they've historically traced it. Yeah, he actually had developed every single one of the concepts. He just had not quite come to what he thought of as perfection because Gauss was a, a noted perfectionist. Like, I mean, he was known for his inability to publish anything unless it was completely and utterly perfect. So that the proofs would stand for themselves, because he never put any of the other work. It was only proofs on it. 
and they looked back and yeah he had he had non-euclidean geometry completely figured out i'm amazed i mean that's just that's unbelievable yeah i mean do you know anything about the kepler conjecture no i didn't know kepler was a um a mathematician. No, uh, well, he made a conjecture about uh, sphere packing in three-dimensional Euclidean space. And you guys have heard about sphere packing problems, right? I have not. Okay, I mean it, it's it's just I mean there is, it's just a typical packing problem where you have a where you have a space but you have these spheres and you're trying to put as many in there as you possibly can. And Kepler uh, made some argument about the average density. And of course, Kepler wasn't able to prove it. As a matter of fact, the proof is not sure yet, but there is somebody who did a uh, proof by exhaustion, and he has 99% of it so far, and it's, so it's it's almost done. But um, it turns out that Gauss had uh, done a partial solution for that, that if given something else, proves it completely. Hmm. What was the other thing? Ah, uh, man, I cannot, I cannot honestly remember. Uh, Prove that the Kepler conjecture is true if the spheres have to be arranged have to be arranged in a regular lattice. So if you can prove that you have to arrange them in a regular lattice to get the you know highest possible density, then Gauss proved it. Hmm. Is there anything he hasn't done? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you guys know the least squares method. Um... The statistical uh, what is it? Least squares method. It's the used to approximately solve overdetermined systems. Right. So statistical method, Gauss created that. You know, I'm I'm thinking that we could we could <laughs> petition the math department here to do a a series, uh, you know, one two, uh, a full year's worth just on material that Gauss covered. I mean, that would be well. I'm, I think that would be one of the most interesting math courses well, you I'll, could ever take. I'll uh. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll read off a partial list. There's a fantastic Wikipedia page that is called "List of Topics Named After Carl Friedrich Gauss." All right. So there's the Carl Friedrich Gauss Prize. There's degaussing, which is you degauss a monitor. It means wipe the magnetic thing clean. And then there's the Gauss unit. There's the gauss bolyai lobachevsky space in hyperbolic geometries. There's the Gauss-Binet theorem, which is a theorem about curvature and differential geometry. Gauss-Kadazi equations, Gauss-Jordan elimination, Gauss-Kronrad quadrature formula, Gauss-Kuzem-Versing uh, constant, Gauss-Manin connection, Gauss-Markov process, Gauss-Markov theorem, Gauss-Laplace pyramid, Gauss-Linking integral, Gauss-Kruger coordinate system, Gauss-Seidel method, Gauss-Newton algorithm, Gauss-Legendre algorithm, Gauss-Lupus theorem, Gauss-Principle of least constraint, Gauss-Constant, Gauss-Continued fraction, Gauss-Digamma theorem, Gauss-Air function, Gauss-Generalization of Wilson's theorem, Gauss-Gun, Gauss-Hypergeometric theory, Gauss's law, Gauss's law for magnetism, Gauss's lemma, Gauss's lemma and number theory, Gauss's map, Gauss's peninsula, Gauss's sum, Gauss composition, generalized Gauss-Binet theorem, Gaussian beam, Gaussian binomial, Gaussian blur, Gaussian curvature, Gaussian distribution, Gaussian elimination, Gaussian function, Gaussian filter, Gaussian fixed point, Gaussian free field, Gaussian graph, Gaussian is that it? Yeah, that's that's the bottom of the list, and that's just the ones that people have figured out so far. So how come in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I know they went back and they grabbed some scientists. Why didn't they grab Gauss? Because he's not exactly well known. Yeah, I mean that's not. I mean that's not something certainly I ever heard about in elementary school. Uh, we never talked about Gauss. I mean, every he's so obscured by other greats of the day. You got Albert Einstein. Well, uh, Einstein is centuries later. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking ahead. I'm in a different era right now. But yes, you're right. Um, and even 
So that would mean what Euler and Gauss were contemporaries. Uh, or... Euler right at it would be ending about the time Gauss started. Oh, okay, okay. When you degauss your monitor, doesn't it make that weird noise like, and then it like goes it wobbles yeah yeah it wobbles. wobbles. I mean, but you don't really do it to monitors anymore because uh, mag magnetics are very important for CRTs, not so much for you know LCDs. I have C I've got like thirty CRTs at home. <laughs> My electric bill is like two hundred fifty dollars. Of course <laughs> you do. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about setting up. Um, I mean, I'll have to do this once I become, you know, a trillionaire. But I want to have a house where in each room, every surface—the walls, the ceiling, the floor—are monitors. And so I'll have my wireless, you know, I'll have my laptop there. But the the to view it, I'll just look at the walls, and I can move my mouse pointer from the floor to the ceiling to the wall. And, well, I suppose on a related note, have you have you studied anything about the OLED? The what? Uh, Organic light emitting diode. Yeah, it's it's suggested right now. I can't forget they talk about it in popular science. I can't I forget now how how uh, thin they had stuff, but they were talking about in development Very. getting it wallpaper thin. Yeah, no, they they are planning on uh, releasing paper. How thin? Paper. Pa like like paper thin. Is paper thin? <laughs> what did I tell you about popping your peas? So wait, it's, it's wallpaper, basically, yeah. And so now, and and so now you can, uh, you can. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you yeah, will be able to do that. It's a feasible dream. This yeah. is a, this is a feasible dream. Yeah. Oled. Oled. No, not Oled. It's not O L E apostrophe D. So so okay, Chris. I know you do science stuff. Have you ever? I mean, you know then, of course, uh, the four Maxwell equations, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, I have them on my tattooed on my lower back. Okay, so uh, you know the one that states electric flux through any closed surface is proportional to the enclosed electric charge, right? Gauss's law. Oh, Gauss's law. I like that. Yeah, one of the four Maxwell equations, or in other words, the basic for uh, electromagnetic physics, is Gauss. He's, um, wow, Einstein really needed that stuff. Yeah, with without Gauss, Einstein never could have done what he did. Period. It just it could not have happened. Could you imagine if Gauss and Newton had been contemporaries? Mm. Gauss would have made Newton look like more of a numbskull than Leibniz managed to. And this has been a statement by combinations and permutations. That's right, Leibniz is superior to Newton. We have already covered this episode five. Go back and listen. We rip Newton a new one. We could, uh, maybe Gauss could, uh, if he had a little more time, you know, a few more hundred years, he might have created the uh, Gauss Reckoner. I told you never to reference the Steft Reckoner again. Ever. And you, poor Cody over here has no idea what you are talking about. That yeah. was a yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, you don't get to use that <laughs> word. I've yelled at you for using that word, too. That's my word. You are know. not a comedy nerd. Stop it. I don't even know what that word meant. And like after I heard Sam use that word, I was using it like four or five times a day. <laughs> okay. And so he had a, he had a lot of other things, but one thing that uh, that Gauss did do is around the eighteen eighteen fifteen to like eighteen twenty five, somewhere in there, he's working in an observatory, and you know in his town in Germany because I think he's German. He's German. He is. Right? No, he's, he is. I yeah, saw. Gauss. I yeah. saw Gauss on uh, Deutschmarks back yeah. in the day when they had. Mm -hmm. I think he might be on the German Euro too, because Kepler I believe, I believe Kepler's right. on one of the Euros. Wait, the Euro? They have like a Euro for each country. Yeah, each each country gets to you know put people on the Euro. Well, that's not fair. That it would just be like the Euro for like. Yeah, all but of I mean Euro. they're all like famous. There's a lot of scientists that are on them. 
And so, I mean, you just... But they're all usable in other countries. It's not like they're not usable. Oh, they just have, like, the language of the locals. Can I use, like, German euros in France? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's still the euro. It's just they get to print up different, like, ones with different pictures. It's it's like the, the state quarters. Yeah. Who, who, who has more? Like, who controls how many German euros there are versus how many Oh, French well, euros? obviously the EU would. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's con- the currency itself is controlled by the European Union, so they would be the ones who would inform any country how much they're able to print, in order to you know tame down uh you know inflation and all that. Are they all the same? Are they all worth the same amount? Yes, them? it's it's the euro. It's a currency. It's not different in each country. I just they just get to print up different ones. I'm impressed. I mean, in the U.S., all we put is slave masters on our money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, not all of them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so so sometime around there, he's working at an observatory. And at some point, uh, one wife died. He got remarried, and another one died. And it was about this point in time he was apparently sitting in the, universe, or in the observatory. And, and I, this is actually why we're talking about because I heard this story this morning, and I was fascinated. And so he's so he's sitting there, and he's looking up at the stars. And of course, some of this is apocryphal. I'm just, you know, I'm also going to use language. You know, I'm I'm going to spice it up a little bit. And so he's so he's working at the looking up at the stars in this observatory, and he starts thinking, "What if we're not the only ones here? I'm not fucking joking. What if we're not the only ones here? We need to figure out if we're not the only ones here. There might be someone else looking at." looking at me through a telescope somewhere else. So we should probably be trying to contact these people. Gauss was the original alien contact person. He was the original SETI. Gauss started SETI. (laughs) And so he had two ideas. One of them uh, goes towards the side of me that loves to watch Mythbusters, which is he wanted to dig a huge hole in the middle of the Sahara Desert and fill it with kerosene and light it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) These methods are kind of crude, but admit it, that's pretty awesome. Make a hell of a lot of s'mores, too. Oh, man. I've been eating s'mores all week. I can tell. (laughs) Okay. No, no, I was, because I've I've been eating s'mores all week because we had s'mores at Max FunCon, and there was some extra, extra chocolate graham crackers and and uh, marshmallows that uh, the wonderful and inimitable Jesse Thorne let me take home. You took home a, a, a doggy bag of s'mores. I took home two bags of marshmallows, a case of Hershey bars, and a case of graham crackers. That's fucking awesome. Oh, it's it was a it was a convention of all things awesome. Of course, it was awesome. The take home is awesome. And so yes, I've been eating s'mores. And yes, except I wouldn't want to make s'mores on a kerosene fire. I made s'mores over an alcohol flame once. That's fine. Alcohol burns clean. Kerosene doesn't. It was rubbing alcohol. <laughs> it still, it burns really clean. Yeah, except the marshmallows tasted like shit. <laughs> <laughs> clean shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so so he had one other idea, and this one, this one will hit us all right in the mathematical heart. So his idea, his idea was to get an army of Russian lumberjacks. And go up to Siberia and cut, clear cut out a shape in the Siberian forest of a right triangle with the markings on the triangle to show that we properly understand the Pythagorean theorem. (laughs) 
because obviously any alien culture who would be able to observe us would be able to recognize the shape and the markings because we would have to assume that they would also be able to, I mean, they wouldn't call it the Pythagorean theorem. Right. But the idea that the sum of the squares of the base and the height of a right triangle equals the square of the hypotenuse. I mean, if, if you develop anything that is similar to Euclidean geometry, you need that. I mean, it, it's an inherent thing that follows through from that. So it would be a sign of an, another intelligent group. So what is this, like a tattoo on the planet? So Essentially, yeah. He, Gauss, Gauss wanted to contact the aliens. I'm amazed. I, yeah, you, which which means that Gauss is not only, you know, an amazing mathematician, he's also pretty awesome. Yeah. Just, I mean, like, cool in general. I hate the man these days, simply because I can never possibly live up to being a, a hundredth of of what he is right now. But yeah, Well, I mean, I mean, mathematically, obvious, obviously. Except I have a podcast. Have. He never thought of that. Right. Right, but but now I mean, just in our general lives, can we ever can we ever live up to what to what Gauss was? I mean, just it, free of mathematics, just take the mathematics out of it. Well, and... speaking of things that aren't that aren't quite mathematics, um, uh, Piazzi uh, was uh, I mean, I'm assuming uh, Giuseppe Piazzi. He was an Italian astronomer. He discovered a dwarf planet, Ceres. Uh, this was, you know, somewhere around like. 1799 1801 1801 it looks like probably it was going to be uh, where it or when it was discovered and it was this dwarf planet it was going through and uh, he was only able to to observe a very small amount like a very very small amount of the traversement before it was blocked by the sun and so he tried to extrapolate from now uh piazzi did uh, where it was going to show up again where he predicted it didn't, it just didn't show up. But Gauss, who was 23 at the time, that that is a direct quote from the Wikipedia article. Whoever wrote that section right there absolutely nailed how it should be. But a 23-year-old Gauss uh, heard about the problem and he decided, I, I am going to try this. I'm going to try to figure out where it was. And um, let's see. After I mean, he got he got the information and then. He published, or and then he said, uh, "What about a year later? It was about a year later he he predicted a position. He was uh, accurate to a half degree, half a degree. Uh, and after that, he published um, the theory of celestial movement, and it remains one of the cornerstones of astronomical computation. It also it's it's what introduced his gravitational con uh, constant." And uh, had a treatment of the least squares method in it. So Gauss started SETI and NASA. <laughs> no, no, he didn't start NASA. NASA was obviously started, you know, like probably by Tycho Brahe. I mean, if you really want to go back, I mean, even before then, the Chinese astronomers. But yeah, he's the one who allowed us to be able to properly predict where uh, celestial ob um, objects that are not stuck on a given, you know, a, a given uh, orbit. Or an or a known orbit. So, I mean, we already knew the orbits of the planets by this point. It, uh, this sucks. Uh, Newton did some very good work in this area that allowed protection of planetary movement. Oh man! I'm sorry, did, what was that? I didn't. I didn't quite hear that. <laughs> Newton did good work, and but it wasn't math. It was it was celestial mechanics. 
Oh, well, that, that, man, I, I want to, I want to go shoot myself now. Or make some s'mores. No, not even a s'more is going to be able to drown my sorrows for having to admit that Newton did something good. Well, if you shoot yourself, can I get your s'mores? <laughs> no, I already promised them to somebody else, buddy. Birthday s'mores? Cody, I'll, Cody, I'll, I'll get you those s'mores later, okay? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And, and so, yeah, I mean, he did everything, and, and he apparently was a, it was a very good mental calculator. Now, this is, once again, grabbing from the Wikipedia. This Wikipedia article is fantastic on Gauss. And he was, he was asked uh, how he was able to predict that trajectory with such accuracy, and he's like, and, and Cody, you'll really enjoy this statement. I used, I used logarithms. And uh, the questioner then, then asked how he'd been able to look up so many numbers from, so many ta- from the table so quickly. And Gauss responded in the following, and I'm, I'm assuming with a huge amount of pretensions in, in his voice, look them up. Who needs to look them up? Calculate them in my head. Yeah, he did. He did high level logarithmic computation in his head. It's, I don't know if there's anything that this guy, if if he would have been born, you know, like around the time that Turing was born. We probably would have developed a quantum computer by the time that Turing had developed his the Turing machine idea. The warp drive. He yeah. would have developed a warp drive. And and as I said before, he was a bit of a perfectionist. There was a there was a mathematician, and I honestly can't remember the name of this mathematician. Uh, it's it was it was a very famous mathematician at at the point in time a little bit after he had. He had passed away. And since he was known for, for his love of perfection and he always wanted everything, everything whatsoever that he did, he wanted it to be perfect. Um, and he, he, he just he never wanted to publish anything that wasn't perfect. And so someone said that if he would have published everything, uh, oh, uh, no, it's a mathematical historian, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't contemporary time. But a mathematical historian, Eric Temple Bell, said that if if Gauss would have published all of his theories when he came up with them, he probably would have advanced mathematics by uh, about 50 years. Then? By 50 years? No, no, then? we would be 50 years ahead now. Because he would have published things that didn't come up for another 50 years. And so therefore, people could have been working on them then, instead of the people who spent the time having to find those things. Wow. So we could have blown the Earth up by now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we could have. I mean, it's 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 sickening to me. I, it, I mean, do you guys have any other any other stories about Gauss you wanna? What? What? You know, you were talking about the the modular arithmetic. Now, yeah, this is something we've we've talked about in the last couple of days. Uh, when you have a number and you take the sum of its digits, if it's a multiple of three, uh, then that number itself is divisible by yeah. three. That is really easy to prove. With modular arithmetic. Yeah, but only with modular arithmetic. Right, and so now, yeah, you start talking about, okay, how would you do that without modular arithmetic? Well, how do you do half of number theory without modular arithmetic? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's the contribution, uh, even even just in in, uh, in in modular arithmetic and how that can even affect some uh, abstract algebra you do. And just, uh, it's, it's mind-numbing. Yeah, the, if the, that's all he would have done he still would have contributed more than we can possibly right. hope to contribute. But he wasn't, he wasn't ready to stop there. How, many, how did he kill his two wives? 
Well, uh, there's there's one story that was uh, told by Isaac Asimov, and and this this is this is once again probably apocryphal. Uh, someone who wrote a someone who wrote a uh, biography of him uh, said that this is probably an apocryphal story, so it's probably not not actually true. But Isaac Asimov uh, once went on record to state that uh, when someone came in, uh, Gauss was working on a problem, and someone came in to let him know that his wife was dying. And uh, Gauss answered, uh, "Tell her to wait a moment until I'm done." And someone he would say this every time someone would walk in and say, "Hey, your wife is dying." <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 wait a minute till I'm done. <laughs> dying, of course. Did he have like? Was he trying to get a prime number of wives before he died, or something? <laughs> well, he did. He had two. Ah, first prime, and also the base of all even numbers. The only even prime? <laughs> yes, also the only even prime. Um, also the only only number where if you uh, split it into two even numbers that you add together and then you raise those even numbers separately to any power still equals itself. Did Gauss figure that out? No, I just, it's just a random thing that popped into my head because <laughs> one to the n plus one to the n still equals two. But then 1 to the n plus 1 to the n plus 1 to the n still equals 3. You can do this on any number. <laughs> Gauss probably thought of that, too. That sounds something more like Hardy would have thought of. Warren G? Yes, Warren G. Hardy. G. H. Hardy. Dipshit. What? Why do I talk to him? Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Warren G. Harding? Yeah, it was Warren G. Harding. Yeah, okay. see, you, you even got me messing up my presidents now. I'm going to lose all of my internet credibility. Everyone on the internet knows about Warren G. Harding. Now I'm just calling it Hardy. I'm going to... Web cred. <laughs> Man, all my web cred is gone. So in order to completely lose my web cred, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish today's podcast on a, on, a, on a... This one's not an apocryphal story, but the conclusions raised to this, raised about this, uh, turned out to be false. After Gauss died, they took his brain. Where? Well, no, I mean, like, a scientist took his brain, and they weighed it, and they found that it was insanely large, just incredibly large, large brain. And so they therefore concluded that the reason he was so smart was because he had a gigantic brain. So from Gauss's gigantic brain, Cody Palmer, Christopher Banks, and myself, your host, your beloved, amazing, and generally perfect host, other than when Chris screws me up, Samuel Hansen. I want to bid you adieu and remember that if you want to email us, if you have some story about Gauss that we completely missed, email us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com or you can visit the blog where you will find links to all of Gauss's amazing, and I want to point out that my God, was he amazing, work at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. Thank you all for listening. Well, that's it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to get a hold of us, please email us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com. Also, check out our blog at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. This episode has been licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. All the music that you've heard on this podcast is from SP12. If you like what you hear, go check them out at opsound.org. Thank you for listening.